The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Over the last week, several Premier League players have been subjected to racial abuse on social media. Manchester United condemned hateful messages aimed at Anthony Martial and Axel Twanzebe following a loss to Sheffield United. Now on Saturday, after the club's game at Arsenal, Marcus Rashford revealed that he received racist abuse as well. Greater Manchester police have said they're investigating the incidences involving United's players. Now Chelsea's Reese James was also targeted. He posted a message he received on Friday with the caption, something needs to change. Also Friday, West Midlands police confirmed they arrested a 49-year-old man on suspicion of racially abusing West Brom's Romaine Sawyers online. This has all led to continued discussions by players, clubs, the Premier League, and the sports governing bodies on how to eradicate the ongoing issue of racism. In response to these incidents, Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters said on Friday, quote, I am appalled to see the racial abuse received by players this week. Racist behavior of any form is unacceptable and nobody should have to deal with it. Tackling online hate is a priority for football and I believe social media companies need to do more. We at the Premier League will continue to support players, managers, and their families who receive discriminatory online abuse. Through our central reporting system, we have been able to take immediate action on cases like this, and we investigate every report received with legal action taken where possible. We are in regular dialogue with social media companies, challenging them to do more against discriminatory abuse on their platforms. We want to see swifter removal of offensive messages and improved identification in banning of offenders. Now we mentioned the Marcus Rashford tweets. Here they are now. Quote, humanity and social media at its worst. Yes, I'm a black man and I live every day proud that I am. No one or one comment is going to make me feel any different. So sorry if you are looking for a strong reaction. You're just simply not going to get it here. I'm not sharing screenshots. It would be irresponsible to do so. And as you can imagine, there's nothing original in them. I have a I have beautiful children of all colors following me, and they don't need to read it. Beautiful colors that should only be celebrated. Now, the Professional Footballers Association had this to say on Sunday, quote, over the past five days, we have seen another spate of disgusting racist abuse aimed at black professional footballers. Axel Twanzebe, Anthony Martial, Romain Sawyers, Reese James, Marcus Rashford should not have to put up with being racially abused because some racist fans don't like the results of a football match. These players are at work and racist abuse should not be tolerated as part of any profession. We have been very clear that social media platforms are an extension of a professional footballer's workplace. Every effort must be taken to protect them and all other users from racist abuse while using social media. Offline consequences for online hate crimes must be pursued whenever possible. Players have repeatedly raised this issue publicly, and still, the abuse persists. While none of us have the power to eradicate racism from society, social media companies must do their part and eliminate it from their platforms, over which they do have control. Enough time has been given to the networks to demonstrate a willingness to act. 
We have been at crisis point with this issue for two years. Racism causes trauma, and online abuse presents a significant risk to people's mental health and well-being. Now, according to reports yesterday, Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich wrote a letter to all of his players after defender Reese James shared the hateful message he received. Abramovich promised to increase funding for efforts to help the club tackle discrimination, saying he was appalled by the online abuse, adding, quote, we cannot allow this to continue unchecked. Now, ever since football started in June, players, coaches, and officials have taken a knee before every match in support of the Premier League's No Room for Racism campaign. Yesterday marked the beginning of Black History Month here in the U.S. Now, over in the U.K., it is observed in October, which was when our colleagues over at Sky Sports told the story of black players in English football who paved the way for the ones today. They were stars among the best players in what was fast becoming the world's greatest league. The way that they excelled showed that no amount of adversity was going to stop them from becoming the best in the business. The right finish! Spectacular goal by Ian Wright! I call them almost like the middle generation of footballers. It didn't matter where they were, it was what they were doing, you know. Now you're both with a chance! They didn't tiptoe, they exploded onto the scene. The mould had been broken. Holly Moore closing in! There's always been fight. There's always been this, you know, never say die attitude. Keep out! Yeah, I could play a bit too. It's... Together, they laid a path for the players that followed. Did I believe I'd become a role model? Not at all. There's so much that those guys would have had to have overcome. Just me. Then when the team's not playing well, the fans started to have a boo, boo me. That was a difficult time for me. They'd grown up in a country that could be hostile. Inspiration came from the trailblazers, who showed it could be done. I will always take my hat off to the generation who went before me. I know how much hard work they put in for, for people like me. Back in the 70s and 80s, uh, the, abuse was, the abuse was horrendous. What they went through, and I know, hand on heart, I couldn't have done it. They would have faced the, the worst of language, stadiums full of people that hated them. Bananas became obviously synonymous with black people. You know, you're a monkey, there's a banana. Regardless of whether bananas came on the field with me or racial abuse or whatever, I felt much stronger about as I'm looking into the crowd and I saw black fans who were racially abused. That, I felt, was wrong and that we had to deal with and even now we have to deal with that situation. I, I, I kind of remember to go back to my childhood as a kid, you know, and I used to hang around all these lads on the corner street. And there used to be a gang called Beckentree Youth Boys and they used to, they were a bit older than us, they used to drive past in their cars and shout racial abuses every night. Every night they stayed for, for, for about two years. And that's when I was 13, 14, so I kind of had experienced that. You know, I, you know, I, I married a white girl. I was been with my, my wife, Claire, since I was 17. You know, I met her when I was at West Ham. It wasn't known in the 80s or, you know, to see a black person with a white person. I'm sure any black player my age and older than me will tell you about banter in the dressing room. I remember when a certain individual <laughs> tried to name me Chalky and, I mean... To this day, I think he's still waiting for me to answer him because I, I, I don't answer as a jockey. 
I don't want you to nonsense like that. And it was so strange when we used to have an argument with players, and uh, not just in training, but in matches, and you have a running battle with this player and he's white. Then all of a sudden, he goes, and he doesn't say anything. I don't know what he wants to say. You know, I experienced racism, you know, in my early times at West Ham. You know, I remember, you know, we went away at some team and we, we were four nil down and, and just walking up down the sidelines and it was like hurling abuse, you know, coins, bananas. And I, you know, for, for a 19 year old kid, you know, 18 year old kid, 19, that's pretty like heroin, you know, to experience it was, was, um, was, was frightening. Time for a whole new ball game. People talk about the 90s and that as glory years. In fact, you know, the Premier League being born and this whole new era of exciting products meant that... Do we have to talk about racism anymore? Is it really a thing? It was about everything was great, everything was perfect. You know, but it is. It wasn't perfect to the black players who were playing, you know, in, in their in their in their teams, and uh, we were still, you know, experiencing that racial stuff. So I think, if you want me to be honest, racism was swept under the carpet, because if you want to talk to those players, they will tell you that oh, we're still having experiences, things were still happening. It's not an issue for me to deal with it from the stands, and you know, but when a play, professional player says it, yeah, you know I mean, a white player, um, then it kind of you know, irates me. I always had this issue, if they said anything about your colour or about your wife, you know, <laughs> that's going off in the tunnel. That, that, that was it. That was, honestly, that was it, Patrick. That was the only two things that kind of riled me. And there was plenty of um, times where that did happen um, in, in the early 90s. Despite the odds and the abuse, black players continued to smash through barriers, starting with John Barnes, who became the first black player to establish himself at the club that had been English football's dominant force. I'm thrust into the limelight now, whereby I'm the first black player to play regularly for Liverpool, so all eyes are going to be on me. But I felt confident enough in my ability, my footballing ability, my teammates, the environment that Liverpool gave me to then show what I can do. Do you know the first time the British transfer record was broken for a black footballer? Do you know who the player was? No, I didn't know until today. Yeah, Andy Cole, Newcastle to Man United. Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, that's, I mean, that's, that's something I should be very proud of. June the 9th, 1993. <laughs> yeah. It's an important day in our country's history. Why? Um, was I captain of England? Pretends <laughs> not to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know the date, but I'm glad you've reminded me. For me to have that armband and you're like a little kid again, you know, and you are, you are, you're just so excited, your stomach's bubbling and all that lot, and you just, wow, really? Are you sure? And it was probably more so, not maybe that time, but maybe the Rome game, you know, in, in Italy, when I was captain in, Glenn made me captain. It was only then when I got back home, and I must have had, honestly, Patrick, a sack full of, of letters, you know, just from people all over the place, all over the world. That kind of hit home to me how much it meant for them that I was a black England captain. And that showed to me how much, you know, I'm proud to be the first black England captain. When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. Yeah. 1995 and one of the most infamous moments in Premier League history. Abuse from the stands came properly under the spotlight 
for the first time. Yeah, at the time it was scary and it wasn't right. Um, but it was he only did something that everyone else wanted to do. All I loved to have done it. It took like someone like Eric to actually say, you know, enough's enough. I, I can't handle this no more. I'm probably happy that it was a white Frenchman that took the stance more than any black player. Why? I think they would have been dealt with differently. Harsher? Yeah. I think that they would have... I wonder if they would have still been allowed in the game. When I retired, I remember Sir Alex Ferguson sent me, right, come on, Cody, get yourself in and do your coaching badge. And I was saying, I was like, nah, it's not for me. I didn't think there was going to be an opportunity for black managers to be given that chance to manage at the elite level. I'm not prepared to jump through hoops for nobody. Many black players have looked to make the move into management, but still, in 2020, there has been just two permanent English-born black managers in the top division. How much does it mean then to be the first black manager in the Premier League? The fact that I'm in the Premier League, whether I'm black, white, or doesn't really kind of really that matters. You know, I'm proud of where I come from, but I'm just proud to be black in, in, in the Premiership. We're not saying we should have the job because we're black. We're just saying, give us a chance to sit down in front of you guys you know, and explain how we, how we look at this club and how we want to take it forward. That's not even happening. The game doesn't trust them. Why are we not on the merry-go-round? Because there is a merry-go-round of managers. Why are we not on that merry-go-round? We have a perception on different groups of people's ability and what has been the perception for hundreds of years about a black man's ability to think, a woman's ability to lead, a Fortune 500 company, be a CEO, and somebody whose gay's ability to go to war and fight because of what we have been wrongly told about them. And that is what we have to change. We just want to feel that... That we're equal to everyone else. Hopefully, in the next two, three, four years, we'll be seeing that. We'll be seeing some some light at the end of the tunnel. And so, in football and society, huge challenges remain. But on the pitch, talent continues to flourish. Standing on the shoulders of giants, brilliant black footballers have made their mark and changed English football for the better. For black players to excel at the highest level, it's, it's nice, it's nice to see. We um, have a voice now and that's, that's the most important thing. You can look at a League 2 team in the middle of nowhere where you never found a black man and they've got six black players playing. And that is a big difference. I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking about my son Thomas. He's definitely in a better place. That's the great thing. We're pioneers to hopefully pave, pave the way for these black players where it gets less and less racially abused every time they go step on the football pitch. This generation of your, your Sterlings, your Rashfords, your, your Jaden Sanchos, yeah, I could go on. There, there's so many talented figures out there now. Our young players are saying to the world, we're ready, we want to play. We can see the stage and we want to dance on it. We have come a long way, you know, and we, but we've still got a long, long way to go. The journey now is just as long as how far we've come. So we have to acknowledge the good work that's been done. But let's not rest on our laurels. Yeah, a really powerful piece. I'm glad we showed that here again. And February is a really good time here in the States, Black History Month, to take a look back at the players and managers who sacrificed and who trailblazed a path forward. Um, as you guys look back, uh, who who are some of the, the figures who were inspiring in this respect to you? Well, you know, it's been fascinating because I've been thinking about this for a few days now, and I think there's three, three people that I, I would mention. Um, the first is a, a player that one of my first ever favorite players is a young 
think about 13, 14 years of age, I go to my local pro team, Oxford United, and George Lawrence was a black winger that the club absolutely loved. And as for me, just starting to go to football, falling in love with the game, this guy, and, and his colour was striking. And, and there was a, a vibe around the stadium about this player, but he was so good that they loved him. And he was probably one of the first, my first favourite players. Mm. So that's kind of, you know, and then going forward, I was lucky enough to be coached by a very inspirational figure that maybe should have been featured more in there, Rob. Mm. Viv Anderson yeah. Yeah. was the first black player to play for England. I think it was 1978 when he was called up. And he was my coach at Middlesbrough, assistant coach, for seven years. And that's kind of a, you know, that, that's, that's quite the, the guy to inspire his team. And he told stories of, uh, and sadly, we've just heard it in the clips there, that going to warm up at certain stadiums, you'd get bananas and pears and different stuff thrown at him, he, he said, as he was warming up. Um, but such a strong personality, a strong character. And I learned a lot off of Anderson over a long period of time. We actually went through quite a lot of stuff together at that period of time in the football club. And, and the last guy is Paul Ince, who we saw featured heavily in that clip. Mm. Just as a midfield player, he came to our club kind of late in his career, but he'd been a Manchester United captain, as he said there, and we saw there, England captain as well. And to play alongside him in a side um, was eye-opening for many different reasons. Just his, his mental toughness and the abilities that he had yeah. um, was also inspirational. So, And I've played with plenty, plenty, plenty of tremendous um, black players that are still my friends right now. Really? Um, it's interesting. So, so Robbie makes a good point, and, and Viv Anderson deserved a special mention, the first black player played for England. In that era, we had Cyril Regis, like the Laurie Cunninghams, the Remy Moses, players who paved the way for, for the generation that we've seen. But I, in a way, I just want to move things forward to the next generation, and Paul Lynch is certainly part of that. Andy Cole, John Barnes, Le Les Ferdinand. There was an explosion of black players around the time of the Premier League. But one for... for Kind of quite individual reason stands out. Ian Wright. Ian Wright was the footballer who took everything off and said, this is who I am. I'm black, I'm proud, I've got a different culture, I come from a different place, but look at me. I'm going to score goals, I'm going to dance, I'm going to smile, I'm going to bring all those things to the football stadium. And people loved it. And it changed the way that I, as a black player, could play. There was, there was a time in the game, Rob, and going back to the 70s and 80s times, where as a black player, you played and you keep your head down. You don't court headlines, you don't get the spotlight on you. You play well, you, you keep in the team and, and you go about your business. Ian Wright said, give me the spotlight, mm. let's go. I'm going to show... And he changed the culture so that Marcus Rashford's, Raheem Sterling's, the, the Tyrone Mings, the, the Reese James can be who they want to be today. Yeah. And, and, and the line I, I, I take is, is Marcus Rashford's quote, I'm a black man and I'm proud because of Ian Wright. Mm. That's what Ian Wright was allowed us to do, to be proud. Mm. And I think sometimes there's a reluctance to mm. acknowledge the progress mm. that has been made because yeah. of a fear that we will say that it is enough. And we do look back to the Vivs in, 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 in the, the, yeah. the Cyril Regis's time because they were the, 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 the innovators. They were the first. But they had no choice, Rob. No, to, to they, they accept went, the, the stick. They had There's to no accept choice. it. No choice. But yes. it, the, the Ian Wright of the, of the world said, I'm not accepting this. Yeah. Look who I am. And he, cha he changed the football. He, cha he made Arsenal cool. Arsenal were this great sporting franchise that, that did things in a certain way. Ian Wright went there, took his personality, his attitude, and he, he made them... 
exciting, cool, current. Mm. And, and, and now we can see the Rashfords and the Sterlings and, and the Sackers will be and, and the Rich Jameses go on and, and be as, as, as good as we want and however they want to do it. And the world is forever changed because of it. Mm. Thank mm. you guys, both of you, for, for sharing those thoughts on some very, very inspiring and influential figures uh, in the soccer football world. Now, as Black History Month continues through February, all of us here at NBC Sports, including our Premier League team, will be celebrating legacies, achievements of black sports figures. To read about that and watch those stories, you can go to NBCSports.com slash Black History Month. Mikhail, where do we start with a, a game like that? A crazy game, I'm sure, from your point of view. Yeah, extremely disappointed because we should have been 3-0 up or 4-0 up at halftime and we are 1-1 and with a man down. I don't even want to talk about the decision. You're not happy with the decision? I've seen it 10 times, I cannot see any contact. 10 times I've seen it in different angles. I don't know where the contact is. Yeah. So I cannot tell you. Is no. it, where is the contact? I cannot tell you. I could tell you the arm, the knee, I cannot tell you where the contact is. So the referee, and we presume VAR has looked, they see something and you, you can't see it yourself? Exactly. Mm. And so you're 1-1, as you say, down to 10 men. They score a long-range goal to get in front, and then you lose another player. Did you have any thought or complaint about the second red card for your goalkeeper? These things happen. It's another accident. Um, things like that happen in football, but uh, <clears throat> it's happened too many occasions, and it happened twice in the same game, so it leaves you no chance to win the game. Yeah. Too, too many red cards for you, for your team, this yeah. season? Yeah. Anything you can do about it? Don't get them. We have a period that we didn't get them, and we started to win much, much more uh, football games. But I cannot fault. I think the team was incredible in the first half, the way we play, and we deserve to be there. But we just another another time we just give the game to the opponent. Um, no, no, that's a really, really big win for you guys. Definitely yes, definitely yes. You see how important it was for us, uh, how we did it. It's important to analyze, but we did it. So. We must hold on to it. Yeah, and after a start where maybe you didn't get everything you wanted from the first 20, 30 minutes, they, they started well, Arsenal. Very well, very well. Arsenal is playing very good. Uh, they created enormous problems in the, the first well, in the first half. We get a warning from the goal. Um, this is, we are not, this fragility that you see, um, we, must, we must try to improve it. it has, every time we, we are in our box, we don't defend well, so we must improve on that that aspect. But Arsenal did really well. They have good good players, good possession, and um, the first half was very difficult for us. Obviously, a big moment just before half time when you get the penalty. And I must say, from what I saw, William Jose is a big addition to your team because of the movement up front. Yes, yes. The moment of the penalty, all the the, the situations he has, we have to integrate him better in the dynamic of the team. Him recognizing his teammates, in teams mates, seeing strengths. Uh, we are in the process. We are we are trying hard. So Arsenal saying they will appeal the red card yeah. of David Luiz, and Arteta they're saying that he didn't even see contact. Let's take another yeah. look at it here. We, we did, and Luiz is the wrong side of Jose. Jose goes through. Luiz is looking to go back. It's an accidental contact, but his contact on the heel of the attacker as he goes there. You can see it, it, it stops him planting his foot right. There's a contact, you see, on the heel hits yeah. the knee, and because there's no attempt to play the ball, it even hurts David Luiz, Luiz and, and Arsenal more because he's going to get the red yeah. card. So here's what I would say. The, the spirit of the law seems mm. to be that for someone just intentionally ripping a guy down who has a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity mm. here, 
that I, that's not the spirit of the law, an accidental touch there. It doesn't Am I wrong? feel right, no. does it? It doesn't feel right. And there was talk about maybe changing that to our accidental contacts. Mm. Um, you don't get penalised with a red card, but we check with the PGM well. We, 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 we've got the ability to make contact with them when, we, when there's something we're not quite sure about, and they said that's absolutely the right call. They backed up what the officials mm. uh, did on the field of play, and it, it does seem harsh and unfair, but right now that's the way the rules are. A little tester as well for Arsenal. We started the day yeah. talking about Arsenal. What a great win- window they had in terms of getting people out, building a, a, a new start for this football club. But... Nine red cards since Mikel Arteta's taken over. It's something they need to address. Today is, is unlucky and, and maybe unfortunate, but you've got to learn lessons, this, this team now. And, and Bellerin said it very, very well. He said, teams are not beating us, we're beating ourselves. Mm. And that's something this group have got to learn, that, you know, at times, let somebody go. At times, don't get emotionally involved in games. Learn from your errors and hopefully you can come out the other side. For Wolves, they needed a little bit of good luck, didn't they? They did. They've had a bad run. Um, again, they changed the system today, but it, it, I just think it's a bonus. That's, that was a bonus yeah. for them. An extra man, the goal, Matinho sticks in the top corner. Teta's right. Arsenal played really well the first... 40-odd minutes, it looks... If they get 1-0 half-time in 11 men, completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. looked like a different team after the 45-minute mark uh, in that one. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What did we just see right there? What did we see? An utter collapse from one club from the second minute on, and then uh, Manchester United taking advantage. Yeah, well, well done, Manchester United. Yeah, we talked at halftime whether they should go for more goals or rest players and give players some minutes to need it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they did both. Mm. You can't ask for any more than that. Well managed by the manager. Um, The ruthlessness to keep going forward, and everybody was getting forward, wanted to get their goals. Was it seven different goal scorers? So well done, Manchester United. Southampton... And I know there's the young players, I know the injuries, but that's still not acceptable, by the way. Just not acceptable. You go 10 men, you're like 8 nil down with 10 men. Just a collapse, a capitulation. Um, twice now 9 nil for this manager and this team. Just, for me, really disappointing. I mean, credit to Manchester United. Goal difference might be important. We talked yeah. about that. There were 14 behind Manchester City. Now, now that's down uh, 19 already, so that's down to five difference. Listen, you've got Martial, goals. You've got Rashford, a bit, a, bit of, a bit of rest. He got goals today. You know, Bruno Fernandes with the assists again. A lot of things that Manchester United would want happened. And before the game, we were talking that, you know, the big sides against teams like this going on and get five and six. United went on and got seven, eight, eight and nine. So credit to Manchester United in good shape now to go into Everton. From Southampton's point of view, hmm. sometimes I think managers and Ralph Hasenertl has got such a philosophy about football and doing the right thing. Some days, like the situation they're in, 
block it up and, and keep it two or three and, and move on to another day. That's another hurtful defeat. You, you just goal. asked me, didn't you, at half-time, like, mm. you know, I said damage limitation. Yeah. Mm. They didn't. And now that, that's, that's damage. Yeah, yeah. That's real damage mm -hmm. now, scarring to get that result again. They were able to brush off that 9-0 loss to Leicester yeah. a couple years once. ago and maybe build from it, Last learn from season. it. That yeah. was once. This has now happened for a second time. A lot of goal scorers for Manchester United, including Marcus Rashford, scoring for the first time since December for him. His comments after the game. Marcus, that was clinical. It was unforgiving. It's a record win as well. It equals the 26-year record of nine against Ipswich. A fantastic night. Yeah, um, you know, it's always good to score, to score lots of goals. Um, and yeah, we're just, we're just happy. You know, it's, it's three points that we've needed. You know, we've, we've dropped some points in the last few games, um, and we needed to get back to winning ways. So today was a brilliant opportunity to do that. It looked like the strikers were going to make a statement tonight. I mean, and it can be a puzzle when you come up against ten and eventually nine men. But you, you, the movement and everything you're doing was actually making it much simpler for yourselves tonight. Yeah, that's it. Um, just be as simple as possible. Keep moving. Um, positive it's easy to take your foot off the gas and, and just keep possession but you know we wanted to go out in the second half and, and score more goals and you know the lads did that in the second half yeah, you dismantled Southampton. But no, some sympathy for them from us, but no sympathy for the red card. That could have been very serious at the start of the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Where I think he's quite unlucky. I don't think he's meant it in a nasty way. Um, but he's just a little bit late there, and, and Scott has felt the, the consequences of that. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it was a red card, but you know, unfortunate for the, for the young player. The first half was merciless, though. 4-0 at half-time. There were threats everywhere. Yeah, um, I think the, the first half really set the tone for us. Um, from there, when we come in at half-time, it's just about keeping the, the right mentality and the positive attitude, really, and, and going to finish the game and score more goals. And you passed Eric Cantona on the United all-time list of goal scorers, and that's a pretty impressive <laughs> list to be on. And, and, of course, a player that has been revered by United fans through the years. Yeah, he's, he's obviously a, a top player that's that done a lot for this club. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to, to go past him today and... Um, you know, for me, it's, I just want to score more goals and keep helping the team. We saw the hunger of the team, but it was essential to respond, wasn't it? City are charging, Liverpool are getting back on track too. Yeah, it's, but we, we, we have to not look at them and we focus on ourselves. You know, we're, we're a team that's still improving. Um, we're still, we're not a team that's been, you know, a ready-made team for the last two or three years. Um, I think we're just getting there now and, you know, we're still learning a lot as a group, so... Um, we have to concentrate on ourselves and just keep improving and working on ourselves. I want to change tack a little bit because we saw the statement on the front of the programme tonight, the, the United team united against racism. It's important to, to speak out because players are being targeted, yeah. players are going to put up with some you know, just unforgivable abuse. Yeah, it's, um, it's something that's, that's happening and, um, you know, as much as we, we try and make it look like a... Uh, a sport that has that is full of positives, which um, for me growing up, that's what I always seen football as. It was a sport where people can express themselves and, and just be themselves on the pitch. Um, and it's it's disappointing when things like this happen in football, but you know the reality of it is that it's it's happening, and we all have to to stand up and, and be heard, really. Um, and and that's all I can really say on it. Um, I think only time will tell if if the situation improves. Um, but. As for the time being, it's not really improved over the last few years. Thanks very much for time, Marcus. Thank you. Well, commiserations. How on earth do you sum that night up? Did it again, eh? Today. So, yeah. One man down after three minutes against this opponent with academy voice on the pitch. Yeah. I want to say that they are 
responsible for this result, but yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, congrats, congrats to Man United. They, they worked us off and and uh, never stopped uh, scoring. The most disappointing thing for me is the second red card because I lose another player and I have no anymore. So this is what hurts the most, to be honest. I don't think there's any doubt about the first red card. Was there a doubt in your mind about the second one? I don't know. I must have a feeling for, for such situations like this when I send somebody off in such a moment where the game is gone. I mean, he doesn't kill him or something, but it's... I don't want to speak about the referee. I had, last week he was our VAR, this week he was our referee on the pitch. Um, he, he, he made his mark in the game, but uh, I think it's, it's not about the referee. We, we, we made that uh, uh, again. Um, not a good job, uh, very stupid foul from a young lad that was the first time playing, I mean, that kills everything and then, yeah. then it's tough. At that point you must think, I'm without nine players, I've given a debut, I've got 89 minutes to play with 10 men away at Old Trafford, what else could go wrong? No, not, not a lot and uh, when you're coming here with two goalkeepers on the bench, I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted to give a few young lads today the chance for showing up. Uh, we had now a few on the bench uh, for a debut in Old Trafford, but uh, when I was, when I've seen what, what is going on there, it's better to, to, to let them out because it's not nice if you have a debut with a, with a zero 9 on, on, on Old Trafford. And in that second half, when the goal started to go in, it was a horrible feeling. Where you, was your mind going towards that, that record, that scoreline you'd already experienced? Yeah, sure, sure. You know how quick it can go against such teams when they have time, and then you're another one down. So, and this is what is not being recognised afterwards. This, you will see the result, and you will see a team that is. We tried in the second half as long as possible to keep a clean sheet. What can you do else? And, and in the end, yeah. After the second red card, yeah, then you are uh, every 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 attack was a goal. It's also too easy than how we how we let them score. But yeah, it's, I understand that two men down against this team is difficult. Then, how hard is it to, to swallow again nine nil to go into the dressing room and, and try and tell the players whatever you've told them after nine goals again? Oh, what can I say? There is no scala for telling us how, how hard it is. It is. Uh, it's horrible, but um, we, we stood up after the first one, and we was also step up after the second one. I was just about to say, finally, the response was fantastic. You've had a lot of plaudits having conceded nine against Leicester. Yeah. Do you have to use that as a, a positive strength now from here? I said at that time that we don't need it again. But when we have it again, and when we need this, okay, then we take it. Ralph is thinking, great, now another 9-0 game that everyone can remind me about uh, into the future. So what do you take from this game for, for Southampton? Is this one of those where you can just brush off and say it was a weird game, we had academy guys out there, or is it going to stick with them? It is going to stick with them. And, you know, it was his decision to play the two young players. Now, I know the bench is full of young players. Nathan Redmond is on the bench, an experienced player that could have played. Um, so it's his call. I just don't like the look. I mean, we've, I've, we've played in teams. I've played in teams where you get a man sent off early, and it's not that kind of number of goals. Mm. I just think, wow, that's twice now. Mm. You know, there's got to be a little bit of fight, a little bit of pride to, to keep a shape and to track runners and, and to not make a 6-0, I think it was, before mm. the second incident with it. You know, mm. it's, uh, but he's done it before. He, you know, he's, he's very sheepish there, and, and rightly so. Um, it happened before. They recovered well. I, I think they recover okay. So it's a strong club and a strong team and a strong manager. But it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to just brush it off as one of those days and, sure. and that young players and, and an early sending off. 
that's, that's embarrassing. How bad a look was it for him? It's a bad look. And when the alarm bells went on, the team didn't react. Sometimes you've got to go, hold on, forget about the football. Let's stay in. You know, you stay with the runners. Let's, let's block it off. That didn't happen now. The young lad thing is interesting because when a young player and he's probably got so excited, he's probably so excitable about that game, his debut at Manchester United. He comes out with a, with, with a rash challenge. He's got so many kids on the bench that he can't bring anybody experienced on to, to change that round or doesn't trust the experienced players. And the only good thing you could say for Ralph Hasenthal is he's had this experience once and he knows how to try and get this team back again. He's a good coach, but... All, as all good coaches, you've got to learn them. And if your team is struggling, if your team sometimes need to block it up, you've got to forget your philosophy and stop conceding goals. Last time that Southampton won in the Premier League was when they beat Liverpool. Ralph dropped to his knees. Mm -hmm. He was teary-eyed. Seems like a distant memory for Southampton as they go down 9-0 at Old Trafford today. Well, that was shocking, in a word. Um, and it's easy to make excuses, Robbie, for Liverpool. We've got all those injuries. But with that, mm. there's more talent in red than in blue in yep. that game. Why could they not pull that game out? Well, because the, the team lacks inspiration. And it's a very different-looking side, I thought. Or departments of the team didn't perform defensively. No clean sheet. Didn't look in control. Brighton always looked a threat. Midfield, very different looking again, like the backs, very different, different looking. Thiago was quiet, Milner worked hard, no inspiration. And the front line was different again. Shakiri did nothing. They're, that's damaging. That, that looked damaging. Mm. It felt damaging. And it's not definitive. Massive game on Sunday, which now means that Liverpool have to beat Manchester City. But that was not a good look. I mean, you can't, there's no papering over that. There's a puzzle to solve. You know, we've spoken about Manchester City, the different ways that they can, can win games. You look at the last two home games, Burnley, Brighton, over 50 crosses Liverpool put into the box. What teams are doing, we saw it with Burnley, back four, two wingers going man for man on the two full-backs, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Today we see it again, back three, two wing-backs going man for man on the full-backs. And they're saying you can have the width, you can put the balls into the box and we'll deal with it. Isn't it more than that though, Danny? Isn't it I, more than that? I, I, I don't know. You can look at it defensively and say because they haven't got that much pace in the centre-back partnership that they're dropping a little bit deeper so it's easier for teams to reset. But I'm only seeing one way of Liverpool playing at the moment and that's something that Klopp has to try and figure out quickly. And it's more confusing, isn't it, when you score six in your last two away games and yet Liverpool haven't scored a single goal here in... 2021. What is the difference at the moment? It... It's not, you know, it's not really about you know each game in the Premier League is different. Um, you know, we know that we we prepare for every game different. We every opponent's different. They're all very good. So, you know, um, it's just not clicking. You know, maybe teams are sitting a bit more back against against us at home, and maybe they're a wee bit more open and expansive away. But you know, they done that last season, and we found a way to win, and that's what we need to do. And we're not doing it just now. Um, we need to find a way to get results, especially here if they are, you know, maybe making a low block. You know, Brighton played four centre halves today, but you have to deal with that. They, they played outstanding, and you know, like I said, you need to give them credit. But we need to be better at finding a way in the game. You know, you can set up in training, you can do everything in training, but when you cross the white lines, you know, you need to find a way to goal, and we never done that today. So Jurgen Klopp yet to speak when he does. We'll get that over on our NBC Sports YouTube page. But no excuses there from no, Andy Roberts. No, and, and very honest. I thought very accurate. Teams dropped back last season. They find, found mm. ways to do it. His body language there was tired. And, you know, you think about what they've done over the last two or three seasons. They've had big seasons. And it just, it just felt, Danny, that 
They look tired, run out of ideas, a different looking lineup and a different performance. I'm not sure. That's going to take some turning around from Jurgen Klopp now. I think the, the thing is, Robbie, as well, when, when we look at it, we talk about the injuries that Liverpool have. We talk about Van Dijk, we talk about Gomez, we talk about Matic, we talk about other players having to then fill in the centre-back position. They've not conceded more than one goal in the last 15 games. So that tells me that defensively is not the problem. What Liverpool are, Liverpool are an incredible team, but what I would say over this last month or so, in particular, in particular at home, they have become predictable. You know, when, when they're not leading at half-time, I think it's been 15 times this season when they've not been leading, they've won just five of those games. So teams are going there, the game plan, sit tight, and we know we'll get a chance in the second half. Trying to figure out what's wrong with Liverpool today, part of it was Brighton was pretty good. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. The centre center defenders, the, the players up front that were lively on the counter-attack, Trossard's a really, really good player, as is Mope. But Dunk at the back there with Webster were particularly Immense. outstanding with their defending. Yeah, very, very impressive, Brighton. How good does that feel? <laughs> very, very good. We worked hard. We knew it was going to be a tough game. It was, it was derby. And I guess a very good team. So we worked hard. And I think we deserve the win. And that first half was especially good, wasn't it? That really set the tone for you. Yes, it was good. We maybe could have done better choice the last the last 20 meters, but something we need to improve. We just need to to pick to keep working the way we are doing, and then we will see the results. Tell us about the penalty. You've changed the way you take penalties. Next There's no question. Hop Next and question. Skip. <laughs> yeah, I changed. I felt in that way. Maybe it would be better and it's working. So that's it. Were there any extra nerves because you have missed a couple this season? When you were there, ready to run up, how did you feel? I felt okay. I kept working on it. I kept training. So I was feeling confident to take the penalty. Um, that was the result. And tell me about everything under this manager. He's had nine days, three games, you're unbeaten, you haven't conceded. How has it all clicked so quickly? The message he's, he's giving, I think, is clear what he wants. And we had our, our mind open to, to understand what he, he wanted. So when you have a group of of boys, of guys, that is open for new ideas, to learn, to improve, uh, and everyone with the same target, target is easier to work. So I think this, this team, this group, was humble to, to accept what he, he was coming to give to us. What a good start from Thomas Tuchel's mm. men. This new era at Chelsea. Let's take you back to Graham Lasso and Arlo White for some final thoughts. Well, it is Rebecca, isn't it? And Jorginho just down below us there giving his uh, interview. Interesting comments about the penalty kick because we speculated whether Timo Werner might take that kick. Uh, but it was Jorginho and he slotted it in for the only goal of the game. Thomas Tuchel, Chelsea yet to concede a goal. They've got seven points. Look, they, they passed the ball around against Wolves to no avail, then beat Burnley. They've come to Tottenham and won. What's your assessment of what you see, you've seen so far, albeit only in three games? Well, I think you have to say he's given the team that sort of identity, the the, the the balance of the team in terms of the shape and the personnel works. 
You've seen reinvigorated players and, and partnerships. So Kovacic and, and Jorginho, who we heard from, you know, they're so comfortable together. So he's, he's come in and he's looked at them. He's thought, right, how do I get the best out of these players? How do I get the best out of these players and what shape do I play? And that first half, I thought they were exceptional, caused Tottenham all sorts of problems. I think the one big thing that he'll be working on and frustrated with was the fact they didn't capitalise mm. in that first half and made the game quite difficult for themselves. Um, in terms of the depth of Chelsea's squad, mm. I mean, this is a team that seems upwardly mobile. Maybe a title challenge is beyond them because of the amount of work they've left themselves to do. But top four is a very real possibility now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Four points behind Liverpool, aren't they? And the, the fact that you've got personnel now that I think can slot in. So Christensen came on and did well. You know, to replace Thiago Silva's no no easy easy feat. He came in and, and had a good game. Good technical player, um, maybe a bit exposed as a defender in a four, but looks comfortable in a in a back three where he's got that bit of protection around him. And Chelsea dominating possession, he looked very comfortable mm. on the ball. I think Angolo Conte he came in to replace Kovacic, but played alongside Jorginho. So you got three players there for two positions. Wing backs, you think well, you got Chilwell who's on on the bench. Um, further forward, you've got Havertz. So all in all, I think now you've suddenly got a squad where you can see rotation working and the system not having to change mm. because of it. Where's it going wrong for Jose Mourinho's Tottenham? Well, I think when you set your team up to be a counter-attacking team, you have to be able to defend well. You have to be able to absorb pressure and not concede goals. Because as soon as you concede that goal, you're making it a sort of a, as Tottenham did there, like a 20-minute game at the end. And it was a 20-minute game to get a draw, mm. not a 20-minute game to get a win because mm. they'd conceded that first goal. So I think the mentality of the Mourinho teams is about absorbing pressure and nicking a goal and then maybe going on and getting another one. But if you can't defend and can't keep a clean sheet, mm. you're giving yourself a huge task and you can't just then turn it on for the last 20 minutes. Well, Jose Mourinho has lost three consecutive league games for the first time since his last spell in charge of Chelsea. Let's head down and hear from the Spurs manager now. Jose, how disappointing was that result today? Yeah, disappointing, of course. Every time you lose, you are... Uh... You are disappointed, but um, I, I take positives. I, I, in the end of the game, I can, uh, I can have um, positive feelings. Of course, uh, the first half was not good. Of course, what decided the game was um, a penalty that I don't need to, to, to comment because normally the penalties easily accepted are the ones where the danger is there and and um, not a penalty like this one and was the penalty that decided the game uh, in the second half we were better uh, um, better and better than them but we didn't materialize in in goal a couple of great opportunities we had uh, but the spirit was very very good in the second half we know that we have in this moment difficulties um, the results they they in the end they represent a little bit the difficulties we have in uh, in this moment and the reality is I hate to say it especially after a, a defeat but since um, Harry Kane got uh, injured we played two and a half matches and we didn't score a goal um, he's not just a goal scorer he's a guy that uh, is responsible for many other things uh, we miss a little bit of creation in the, the team our defensive mistakes they are still there but um, the spirit was 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 there again. So this this second half, in terms of um, of the mentality, gives me positive feelings 
Uh, we have a big, big game now on on Sunday. That of course, uh, after three defeats, uh, we need to go back to to, to victories. That's a couple of games now. After the Brighton Hove Albion game, you also said that that you started slowly and didn't react after the goal. Are you getting enough from your players? The fact that it wasn't really until the second half that you were pleased with the performance. Well, but in the second half, uh, we managed. For example, against Liverpool, um, we conceded a goal in the last minute of the of the first half that had an impact in the in the second. In this game, I believe that. Uh, uh, the boys they lost confidence, of course, after after their goal, but they managed to keep the result 1-0 until half time. And at half time, uh, we changed things. Uh, the mentality was uh, was good. We played the game in a complete different way. They had to play in a complete different way too. Um, I believe that in the end uh, we deserve more than this, but that's what it is. Can I just ask one tiny question? Obviously, you were just one nil down. Gareth Bale, a lot of people were saying bring him on. Can I ask why you didn't bring him on? Good question, but I don't think you deserve an answer. Okay, thank, thank you. you very much. <laughs> wow, good question, but I don't think you deserve an answer to the reporter. Um, wow, first of all, what's your reaction to that? Because I don't think he has an answer. I think, that, I think that's a question everybody's asking. Why is Gareth Bale not being brought on when you're 1-0 down, you're chasing the game? You know the quality that he has. And I think he's thinking to himself, if I answer this, I'm not going to look good. But you shouldn't say that to her. Say you don't deserve an answer. That's what he said, wasn't it? Absolutely. And we must remember the reporter is, is, is the media between the manager and the fans. And if every Tottenham fan out there is asking, why is Gareth Bell not coming on the pitch? She's only asking the question that the fans want the answer to. She asked a question and I said, good question. Because it's one of the things I was going to talk about. Lamella came on. Who's the first guy who came on? Lucas came on before Gareth Bale. Similar sort of attacking option. Gareth Bale started the last game. It's a perfectly good question. And he's embarrassed. And mm. all I heard there from Jose Mourinho really was excuses. Liverpool scored before the break and this. And we did this and, and this didn't happen. And we were the better team than Chelsea. You know, they scored one goal against Brighton. There's a lot of excuses there, Rebecca. That's not really acceptable for the Spurs fans. Good enough. Second half was better. They pressed a little bit higher. They had a bit of a go because they were losing. It's not working to be pragmatic from the start for Jose Mourinho at the moment. And that's, we know that that's the way he likes to do it, but it's not working. So why don't you just try and be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more front foot? Because that's when they look better. When, they, when they're just trying to defend, they just can't do it and they're leaving themselves too much to do and not enough quality, even in the second half, to, to come back into it. I think the problem is you look at, you know, we know Mourinho, we know that out of possession, you know, he's... He's, he's got this reputation for being an unbelievable manager, especially out of possession, the way that he lines his teams up and what have you. But the difference is from when people talk about his great Chelsea teams, the difference is, is that they had the same shape, but when they won the ball back, they knew what to do with it. I'm looking at this Tottenham team at the moment that are just concerned about shape, 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 make sure that we don't concede. But then when they get the ball they don't know what to do with it. I thought you were going to say that as well, that when he's done this before, in the same shape, he had John Terry and Cavalier. of course. And better players. He's got Eric Dyer that's making mistakes. Alderweireld isn't getting any younger. He hasn't got that foundation, Danny, I, I mm -hmm. don't think, to springboard. And you're right. I mean, also, the attacking parts is not, is not great. Well, let's talk about the attacking parts, because he said there, he said, I don't, want to, I don't want to mention it, but I, I have to say it, that since we lost Harry Kane, we've had two and a half matches, and we haven't scored a goal. And it's just not just the goal scoring, he said there, that we're missing from Harry Kane. It's his all-round play and the way he plays. If you're a Spurs fan, are you not thinking that a plan B has to be more forthcoming than there is no plan B? It, it, it's... 
It's difficult when you have a centre-forward like Harry Kane because he is unique as a centre-forward that can do absolutely everything. He can be a false number nine, he can stretch the game, um, he can bring others into play unbelievably well. So the closest that they have is Vinicius because we know if you go back to Mourinho when he first joined the club, the possession stats went right down and that was the reason because they were allowing opposition onto them and then they'd go over the top of him. Straight to Harry Kane, we know how good he is with the ball at his feet and then the likes of Son and Dele Alli at first were getting around him. Now... When he's out of the team, Vinicius, yes, he's trying his hardest, but he's not that type of centre-forward that's, that's strong enough to hold the ball up. So your other options are you play Bergwijn as, as your number nine or you play Gareth Bale as your number nine or Son as your number nine. Now, yes, you can beat the press and you can go over it, but the problem is because the players that I've just mentioned aren't going to get the ball in the chest, they may get themselves in behind the opposition defence, but the rest of the teammates are 50, 60 yards behind them. So the ball keeps coming back at them and that, that's an issue for them, a huge issue at the moment. Robbie, your thoughts on that on that attacking situation with Kane and and the Plan B. Does that did that did that did not having Harry Kane mean today that they just sat behind the ball and they were very narrow and they got exposed in the wide areas? You know, I think it's more to it than Harry mm. Kane. There's got to be more to it than one player, meaning that the, the performances look awful, like disjointed and stodgy. And there's, I mean, we know it's it's not. I'm mean, saying the same thing. I say you know week in week out about sometimes with Jose's teams. He's never going to play good football, but if that defensive strength isn't there and the counter-attacking is not there, then what is there? It, it, it was an off-the-cuff second half, try and get something from the game, and it was just too little, too late. Here's one, Robbie. So we, we talk about, you know, you, you've mentioned the plays, the John Terry's, the, the Carvalho's, the Coles, the, the, all Manage, the great... Yeah, yeah the, the great defenders that he's had in the past. Do you feel that at the moment Tottenham's attacking side of things, we talk about Kane, we talk about Son, do you think their attacking implement and the way that they want to attack is actually being halted because... Mourinho doesn't trust his defenders. So instead of having one defender to say, OK, you deal with him one-on-one, he's having to say, I'm going to need two players to deal with that one man. And that becomes an issue because then you get a huge divide between your midfield and your defence to your single attacking man. The only thing, Danny, I think we have seen Son and Kane obviously combine really well. Mm. So, so for, for periods of time, that's been really good. And when we first started seeing it, we're like, oh, this is kind of good, strong defensively, and, and Kane assisting for Son, etc., etc. That's really, really good. But when that isn't really, really good, mm-hmm. or when one of those players isn't there, what else is there? And this is the whole Gareth Bale argument, Rebecca. Mm. We do have to keep coming back to it because yeah. it's a lot of money. A lot of money this club is paying his wages for him to be there. Now, I don't know whether it was Mourinho's choice or whether it's Daniel Levy's little gift to Mourinho that we're hearing, but for, for, he's not liking what he's seeing and he's not given the, the chance to try and find his game. I know he plays in the other competitions, but I think the Spurs fans now are like, well, Bergwijn, what's he doing? Not mm. a great deal. Lucas, Lamella... I mean, isn't Bale worth, Yeah. even if he's 50% of what he was, give him some more minutes, see what he can do. Let's listen in because Jose Mourinho is doing another interview. Maybe this reporter will get some answers as well. So I guess first half is something you don't want to wanna forget. And then later on in the, in the second half, you had some chances as well and you, you played well. So how do you see it? Are you optimistic for the future games, maybe? I am. Um, of course, we are all waiting for very important players. Um, in this moment, there are too many. There are too many. Uh, a regular that gives us depth and creation and assists on the left is not here. A Geo that creates in midfield is not here. Harry Kane scores and links and creates is not here. Uh, Good Dele Alle uh, is also very important for us, is not here too. So we have problems. Um, but I'm positive, not because one day they will be back, because one day they will be back, 
But I'm positive because the spirit in the second half with all the difficult circumstances was, was very, very good. It's hard to lose with that penalty because there are penalties and penalties and to lose with that penalty is very, very harsh. It was a game where they were better than us in the first half, we were better than us, we were better than them in the second. A couple of chances for them, a couple of chances for us and the game is decided on, on that penalty. It's painful. You mentioned the problems that you're experiencing at the moment. Do you have some kind of plan what to do without Harry Kane? Because obviously he's a huge player in every team he would be, especially Yeah, especially now. with us. Uh, the reality is that uh, you went injured at half-time against Liverpool and since then we played two and a half matches and we didn't score a goal. I always told that he's not just a goal scorer, he's a guy very important in our dynamics. And... Uh, in the last game, I didn't play Vinicius from the start. Today, I did. I always told that he's a completely different player. We have completely different dynamics. For example, in the first half, we never had a player that dropped to link play. Every time Vinicius was dropping, it was quite easy for them because that's not his, his game. In the second half, we tried different things, and that's what we are going to try. Uh, I believe that Harry has, is very, very close to be back. Um, is, we, he will be the first one of the guys that are out to come back to the team. Do you still think that you can rise again uh, on the uh, top of the table and, and stay in a, in a battle for, Look, for top uh, positions? The, the, the Look, table, the table in, in the end of the last match, the table will tell the truth. <laughs> uh, that's always the same story. In December can be one way, in March can be another way, in April can be another way, and in the last match is where the table will tell the truth. And I believe that we are going to be where we have to be. Uh, I'm not telling you where I think we have to be, but I think we are going to be where we have to be. We are in the cup final, and it's a pity that we cannot play it now. It's not a pity because we have injured players, so that's good. It is only in April. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really interesting, Jesse Mourinho saying we will be where we have to be, and I'm not going to tell you where we have to be. Where do you think he thinks they have <laughs> oh, to be? Blimey. Um me. Do they not have to be in the Champions League spots? Maybe I he mean, thinks they will. Maybe, I mean, maybe just Europe, Europe. I mean, that's not... It's Champions League, isn't it? I think that's got to... Isn't that the whole idea of him coming into the club and to get him back in that Champions League and progressing and, and, and improving and winning something? And League Cup is League Cup. I understand that. If you're a Spurs fan, maybe mm-hmm. that's it. But it's more, than, it's more than the League Cup, isn't it? it? It is. One thing I'd be interested to see is his, is his mannerisms and his body language after a European game. See whether it's a little bit different. Because I, I already think, when you listen to his interviews here and the, the way he talks about the game and probably the lack of anger within himself, mm. I think he's already pinpointing the Europa League, in my opinion. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. So you but don't I, think he cares about the Premier League? I'm not saying that he doesn't care, but I think he's looking and thinking, well, OK, the Premier League's the Premier League, the Europa League, which brings a trophy, which Mourinho, we know, always talks about himself, loves a trophy, bring a trophy back to Tottenham, first, first trophy in a long time, gets your Champions League places. That's his aim this season. Well, he's got to play better then. Of he's course. He's got to play better than 100%. that to, to, to win that. OK, let's hear from the Chelsea manager, the other side of this coin. Here's Thomas Tuchel. Thomas, victory in your first London derby, yeah. still unbeaten. How pleased are you with the result, but also your team's performance tonight? With the result? Well, it's no better the result than a, than a victory, so we're super happy about that. 
performance was a, was a tough game against strong opponent. An away game, first away game together, and uh, we did very well. We controlled the first half completely, very up high the pitch. was not easy. We did not find the best rhythm, but uh, but uh, was was a good half, a good half. Second half, we lost more and more the ball possession and. The, uh, had some easy ball losses, the distances in the passing were too long. When we could escape the pressure, we had big chances in fast attacks that we could not use for a second goal because there were enough chances. But okay, you have to accept if you play against a quality team, um, there are moments where you have to suffer. And uh, we did this, and we never, we never lost our spirit in, in defending. We never lost the structure. We defended uh, always very active and brave and up forward, and for that I'm happy. You talked there about the big chances. Is that the only frustration tonight that you weren't able to take more of those? Yeah, we were we were looking for for a second goal desperately because that would have killed the game. I think, uh, and that was possible. First half and uh, beginning of the second half, and if you don't do it, and and the opponent takes more and more risk. Uh, like I said, it can happen that, that you have to suffer and it's very important that you don't lose uh, the patience and you don't lose the nerves and you don't lo lose the belief. And I'm happy with the spirit and uh, the, yeah, the, the, the attitude in defending was, was very, very good. And so very solid team performance with a deserved win. You've had nine days with these players now. Obviously a very fast start with three games during that period. Yeah. How much have you learned about them and how pleased are you with seeing your methods already being implemented on the pitch? No, it's not about my methods implemented. I'm happy with the attitude and I'm happy with the, with the squad. I'm happy with the potential. I'm happy with the attitude of the guys. They're very fine guys. It's a very nice group. Um, uh, very open guys and uh, it's a pleasure to be around them and uh, uh, we got a lot of support in, in the whole club and uh, in the staff and then from there it was, was, was a quick start like you said but an easy start we feel very welcome and uh, it's a pleasure to come to work every day and to, to, to be part of, of Chelsea family. One negative that did come from tonight, Thiago limped off during yeah. that first half, what's yeah. the early assessment of him? Oh, I don't know. I see him with a big, big, big strap around his, his, his muscle. So let's see. I have to wait. Honestly, everything I would say now would be not correct. So, But yeah, it's worrying because it's a muscle injury. And uh, you can see the, 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 the quality that we lose and the confidence. But I have to say Christian did excellent. Um, to come into a match in, 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 into an intensity like this. Haven't played for, for us since in the last games and, and did very, very good. Danny, he's mm. doing everything right, isn't he? He is. You have to look at it, and, and I think when Tuchel, when he, when he came in, I don't think there's any doubt about it that he will have known what he thought is Chelsea's issues. I think the away performances has been a big problem for them at home. I think there's only Manchester City and Liverpool that, that had more points than them. There's 11 teams had more points from them away from home. And that was a structure, that was a set. We've spoken about it before when Frank Lampard was in charge. Teams would counter them especially even when they were playing away from home. And what he's got now, he's defending with a five and he's attacking with a five. And he's got players in a position where if they lose the ball, they can press. If, they lose, if, if that press is beaten, he's still then got a number of players back. So I think for all the good that they're doing on the ball, I think what will be pleasing him most at the moment is their structure off the ball. Mm. You like him? Yeah, I think that uh, the three at the back and the two holding players helped today in the later stages, to get the three points, OK? So that, that's the benefit of the extra mm -hmm. man. You know, Frank went from four at the back to five at the back. I think, who's watched Chelsea a lot, that the five at the back is better, just extra insurance. Now, 
He said it there, and I think that second half was a little bit, for me, a little bit of reminder of Frank's days. Lost control of the game. Lost control of it. First half, you know, great possession, territory, Spurs sat back. Now, when Spurs' second half had a little bit of a press, Chelsea just lost their way, and we saw that before. Again, the structure and the extra mm. guys back there helped them get the three points. Good defending, good spirit, good attitude, but he said it. Passing wasn't good, long ranges. So that's something that I think in a very good night, is where they can improve. When that pressure comes, OK, this is when we've got to start popping it around and start taking the sting out of the game mm. so they can, ease, they can ease through games when they're leading. I know Spurs away and it's not an easy match, but I, I just thought that was really interesting that that control just went in the second half and they're under a little bit of pressure. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.